welcome to worship at MCC Lehigh Valley. The Sovereign One is the light of the world in our salvation. Why should we be afraid? The Sovereign One is the stronghold of our life. What have we to fear? Let us shout with joy to the Creator. Let us sing and make music to honor the light of the world. Amen. You may be seated as we continue to worship.
Indeed, we want to see the Lord and we trust that God is here, God is present as we worship and we have established sacred space. We are on holy ground and we've established praying ground. And so for those who are worshiping online, if you have a prayer request, you can type that prayer request directly into the comments. For those who are in person, I'm gonna pause in just a moment and in the, into that pause, we're going to speak our prayer requests out loud. So if you have a person, a situation, a circumstance that's in need of the prayer energy of this community, uh, again, type it in if you're online, if you're in person, uh, we'll ask you to share it aloud. Of course, we'll want to focus so much prayer on our siblings in Ukraine. Uh, Metropolitan Community Churches is at this time trying to help 17 LGBT activists who are in Ukraine, trying to get them out of the country, uh, probably through uh, Moldova. So we'll certainly want to keep these activists uh, in prayer. We want to pray for healing of any division in our country and in our communities. And uh, prayers for MCCLV also uh, to just continue to spread the good news far and wide. And so let's speak our prayers. Gracious God, you are our life giver. You are our liberator. We are grateful, so grateful for your gift of Jesus, the light of the world. And so we open our minds today to be illuminated by your wisdom, God, and by your word. Shine your light on any shadows in our lives. And we open our hearts today that they may be filled with the radiance of your love. Reveal to us your truth this day, Lord God. Now where we are hurting, where we are in pain, we trust God that you are providing healing. Where we are distracted and unfocused, we trust God that you're providing focus. Where we're experiencing low energy, we trust God, that you're providing your steadfast spirit which enlivens and refreshes us. Wonderful God, meet us here today and work your wonders, we pray. Amen. Oh, so are you weary and troubled No light in the darkness you see there's light 
for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free so turn your eyes upon Jesus look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. My favorite verse. His word shall not fail you. He promised. Believe him and all will be well. Then go to a world that is dying. It's perfect salvation to tell. Oh, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely. In the light of his glory and grace. Amen. Our reading today comes from chapter 8 of the Gospel according to John. Hear God's word for you. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in the night, but will have the light of life. Then the Pharisees said to him, You are testifying on your own behalf. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid because I know where I have come from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards, 
I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is valid. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the heavenly parent who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is valid. I testify on my own behalf, and the heavenly parent who sent me testifies on my behalf. Then they said to him, where is your heavenly parent? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my heavenly parent. If you knew me, you would know my heavenly parent also. Jesus spoke these words while he was teaching in the treasury of the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Again, Jesus said to them, I am going away and you will search for me, but you will, not, but you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. Then the religious authority said, is he going to commit suicide? Is that what he means by saying, where I am going, you cannot come? Jesus said to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for you will die in your sins, unless you believe that I am the one. They said to Jesus, who are you? Jesus said to them, why do I speak to you at all? I have much to say about you and much to condemn, but the one who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from that one. They did not understand what Jesus was speaking to them about God. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the sovereign one, then you will realize that I am the one and that I do nothing on my own, but I speak these things as God instructed me. As, and the one who sent me is with me and has not left me alone, for I always do what, I, what is pleasing to that one. As Jesus was saying these things, many believed in him. Here ends today's reading. Praise God that God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Praise God indeed. Will you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable unto you. We just humbly ask, Lord God, that you continue to pour out on us your holy and amazing spirit. Amen. Recently, we had the theme of bread and we focused on Jesus as the bread of life. And then we had the theme of water, and we focused on the rivers of living water. And today we take time to consider Christ as the light of the world. Now Jesus is not only a light, Jesus is the light. And we all need light to function, and the shorter days during the uh, winter season are always difficult. Why? Well, we have less light. We need street lights. We need lights on our cars. And with our cell phones, we now have a handy flashlight. Now God gives the light. At the very beginning of the Bible, the second sentence in the very first chapter of the book of Genesis, God says what? Let there be light. And there was light. The fully human and fully divine Jesus is a provider of light as well as offering illumination. Now, today we're mostly going to focus on Jesus as the one who provides illumination and understanding. When we want Christ's light to shine on something, we need only ask. And sometimes the revelation comes quickly and 
Sometimes the revelation takes a while, and sometimes the revelation comes in the next life. Now, I still become agitated sometimes when something or, or some situation remains concealed or murky, when I don't understand what's going on. But then I reflect on Jesus' words. And these words have helped me again and again and again. And they're from chapter 8 of Luke's Gospel. You may have heard the words this way, or you may have heard a, a different uh, translation. Uh, but again, these have been really helpful words. Jesus says, nothing is hidden that will not be disclosed, nor is anything secret that will not become known and come to light. What a wonderful promise, right? I'm going to repeat those words of Jesus. Luke chapter 8, nothing is hidden that will not be disclosed, nor is anything secret that will not become known and come to light. What a great comfort. Again, sometimes that revelation comes in this life, sometimes in the next life. But it comes, that revelation always comes. There's nothing hidden that will not be disclosed. In God's time, God will reveal what it is we need to know. And we keep up our end of the relationship with God by being faithful in prayer and turning to God, asking for Christ's light, seek spiritual revelation, seeking spiritual revelation. So when we are troubled, when we are unsure about a decision, when we don't know what direction to go in, we ask that Jesus illuminate the way. And I think, too, we have to get away from wisdom being a purely intellectual pursuit. Now, praise be to God for those with the gift of smarts, or the gift of knowledge, and may these gifts always be used to the glory of God and the edification of God's people. But seeking spiritual illumination goes beyond the intellect, goes beyond how we did in school, right? What kinds of grades we received, degrees attained. That's not at all the focus. When we pursue the light, when we ask God to shine God's light in some area of our lives, it's all about developing awareness, awareness of God's presence, awareness of God's power, awareness of God calling on us, awareness of God's grace, mercy, forgiveness, peace, justice, and most of all, an awareness of God's love. So this awareness, it doesn't come about through intellectual training, but through spiritual training, okay? Through things like practicing prayer, making a commitment to worship, Developing trust, developing trust in the Lord. Now, did you notice in today's scripture passage, Jesus is not receiving a whole lot of love? Uh, he's not receiving a whole lot of love from the religious authorities of his day. What does Jesus start off by saying? I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not, never walk in the night, but will have the light of life. And these are wonderful promises from Jesus. And as usual, uh, the religious authorities of the day, they start to nitpick. Now, religious authorities are those people who are in positions of religious leadership. And basically, the religious authorities do not understand what Jesus is about. And due to this lack of understanding, some conflicts naturally arise. Some toes are stepped on, and things get kind of messy. Now, Jesus and the religious authorities, they go back and forth on the interpretation of the religious law, and Jesus does get a little bit harsh 
At times, Jesus says to the religious authorities, you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. Ouch, right? Uh, it would be like Jesus standing in the Vatican and saying to Pope Francis, hey there, Mr. Pope, you don't know where I come from or where I'm going. Wow, ouch. And Jesus also says to the religious authorities today, you know neither me nor my heavenly parent. If you knew me, you would know my heavenly parent. Ouch again, right? It would be like Jesus standing up at the annual Southern Baptist Convention uh, and saying, hey there, Baptist leaders, you know neither me nor my heavenly parent. If you knew me, you would know my heavenly parent also. Now, those in religious authorities would be, a, a, those religious authorities, they'd be a bit taken aback, right? Whether ancient or contemporary. After all, these religious authorities in Jesus' day, they know scripture, right? They're trusted interpreters. And here comes someone who's turning everything upside down and all around. It can be upsetting when someone challenges long-held understandings, uh, long-held ways of doing things. Now, Jesus continues with those harsh words. He says to the religious authorities, I am going away. You will search for me, but you will die in your sin. Where you are going, where, excuse me, where I am going, Jesus says, you cannot come. Let's all say, ouch, again. A burn after burn after burn from Jesus today in Scripture. Now, this would be like Jesus going to Salt Lake City, Utah, entering into the Mormon temple and declaring, hey there, Mormon leaders, I am going away, you'll search for me, but you'll die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. Again, whew, Jesus gets a little harsh with the religious authorities. Now, it makes sense that these religious authorities who are being confronted by Jesus, that they're confused. And Jesus doesn't seem to be particularly patient with them. And throughout most of the Gospels, Jesus gets the most exasperated with people who were in positions of religious leadership. Okay, I'm gonna say that again. Who does Jesus get the most exasperated with in the Gospels? If we take a close look at the Gospels, Jesus gets most exasperated with the folks who are in positions of religious leadership. Jesus has high expectations of these religious leaders. And what he finds is that a number of these spiritual leaders of the day they're more about going through the motions of religion than they are about God. So Jesus expresses his exasperation in today's passage. He says to the authorities, and I had to start giggling when this was being read, he says to the authorities, why do I speak to you at all? Ooh, now, um, and then Jesus says, I have much to say about you, much to condemn, but the one who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from that one. So Jesus is pointing out that he is simply sharing what he has heard from God. And as we heard a couple of weeks ago, we can uh, trust that God will reveal to us if something or someone is about God. We don't have to fuss. We don't have to get agitated. It will be revealed in God's way and in God's time. Now John's Gospel tells us that the religious authorities did not understand that Jesus was speaking to them about God. And Jesus ends today's passage, he ends by telling the leaders, I do nothing on my own, but I speak these things as God instructed me. And we're told that uh, as Jesus was saying these things, many 
believed in him. So while the religious authorities are confused and do not understand others in the crowd, they do understand and they believe that Jesus is a gift from God. And I love that it's always the unexpected people, the ordinary people who understand what's going on with Jesus before the people in positions of power. And that exchange between Jesus and the authorities reveals two really important lessons, I think, for us today. Number one, just because someone holds a particular position or has attained a certain status in no way indicates anything about that person's level of spiritual awareness. Okay, so for instance, a person may be elected a bishop due to their popularity, right? And yet that person may not understand the ways of Jesus. In another example, a person may talk about how spiritual they are, but that does not automatically mean that they're actually a spiritual person. A person's spirituality is going to be revealed in their actions, not just in their words. Again, so number one, number one lesson, just because a person holds a particular position or has attained a certain status in no way indicates their level of spiritual awareness. A person who is very smart may have no clue about spirituality. Okay, a person who has a lot of power or money may not be spiritually aware. A title or position doesn't indicate if someone's spiritually aware. And that leads us to number two. Number two, as followers of Jesus, we have to stay on our toes, right? We have to stay open and aware to what Christ is illuminating for us at any given time. We don't know when God's revelation will come and who it will come through, and it's often through unexpected people in unexpected places. God's revelation is not human-generated. It doesn't come about due to our work. We have to wait on Christ to shine a light. Now for today's message, we're going to apply the light and illumination of Jesus in a situation we've probably all dealt with multiple times in our lives. And this is becoming more aware of people who are seeking to control others and shining the light of Christ on situations and conversations where control tendencies may be occurring. Now, we likely all have a control freak or two in uh, the family, at work, at church, out and about in the community. Maybe we've been the control freak uh, from time to time. I'll never forget a friend telling me that she would never sit on a committee with a particular community leader because this person uh, she thought tried to control everything. So controllers can negatively impact families, can negatively impact organizations and communities. So we have to be aware of how they operate. We have to ask for Christ to shine a light on their tactics and figure out some ways to lessen their impact. Now, people who seek to control other people are typically hurting people. So let's remember that first and foremost. They're often very insecure. They're not convinced that they're good enough to be loved and accepted just as they are. So we always have to be what? We have to be faithful in prayer for controllers, that they come to understand that God's love and affirmation is with them always. Now in relationship, controllers often start up 
start off as what? Very charming. And then things take a turn, and soon everything is revolving around the controller. Now, when it comes to a community or organization, a controller will often come into a situation and, and flatter vulnerable people or be overly critical of people. And flattery and criticism, they're often very effective. Now, most of us like a bit of flattery, right? I've fallen for it from time to time. Most people enjoy being complimented, and sometimes it's really hard to see through it, especially when we're vulnerable and we're going through a difficult time. A controller, though, let's remember this, a person who has control tendencies, uses flattery in a way where the person feels like they owe something to the controller. Now, on the other hand, like with what Jesus experienced, sometimes controllers are overly critical. You see, some of the religious leaders in Jesus' day, they wanted total control. And Jesus' teaching Jesus' teaching was outside of their control. And as a result, what happened? Well, some of the authorities became very critical of Jesus. So a controller comes into a group or situation, starts criticizing a person. The criticism builds and builds and builds. The controller will not rest until the person that's focused on is out of the picture so that they can take over and be in control. Now, while it's important to note that um, that while Jesus is in control, Jesus is not a control freak. I think we can all agree on that. He's unwilling to manipulate people into following him. He doesn't use flattery to seduce people to his movement. Remember that he saves most of his criticism for the religious leadership of the day. So Jesus can see right through controllers. For instance, no one is able to buy their way to Jesus. Sometimes a person comes in to an organization and they start giving all sorts of money and sometimes it's difficult to see through those donations. So if you want to try that here at MCCLB, you know that's okay. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Come on. I'm kidding. Every organization is in need of more money and more resources. But if a person is donating money to gain control, guess what? It's always trouble, right? always trouble. Let's remember this, controllers are not interested in giving to the glory of God. They're only gonna give in order to take or maintain control. Now, we, can, we probably all have all sorts of stories to add at this point, and I'd like to hear uh, some of those stories, the times that we've had to deal with someone trying to take control, or the, the times that we turned into controllers, and the root of a control problem is always theological, okay? Always theologically. Um, it's about, it's always theological. It's about an inability to trust God with our relationships, our families, our church, and our communities. If we trust God is in control and that the creator of the universe has seen it all, knows it all, and loves us still, and we'll set aside more and more those attempts to control. And instead, we'll seek first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness, and all these things will be added unto us. That God is in control, it doesn't mean that we kick back and do nothing. We keep up our end of the relationship with God. First, by acknowledging God's the one in control, and then with all of our heart, mind, and soul, loving God, and loving our neighbors as we love ourselves. 
And let's remember this about controllers. They tend to not have a whole lot of love for themselves, so it's hard for them to love others, especially unconditionally. Controllers have a lot of rules, right? Well, they're gonna love that person as long as they do what they want them to do. They're gonna love others as long as they don't disappoint them. They'll love people as long as they post and say things with which they are in agreement. And that brings us to the number one thing that controllers do. They, they do not take responsibility for their part in any conflict, and instead they put it all on the other person. For the religious authorities in Jesus' day, notice what's happening. Many of them believe that the only problem is Jesus. And these religious leaders, they don't understand that they're a part of the problem and that they simply need to stop and pause and recognize that Jesus is a gift from God and is sharing with them important wisdom from God. So how do we deal with the random controllers in our day-to-day -day lives? Well, we can always invite the light of Christ into any situation or circumstance. That's the first step. Invite that light of Christ. Shine on a troublesome relationship, shine a light on a conflict, and it's not just a millisecond flash that Jesus offers, right? Remember, Jesus is the eternal light. And so it's not magic that we're asking from Jesus, it's deep illumination. We ask Jesus to shine a light, and then as a second step, we wait patiently, right? We wait patiently on the light, in the light, seeking that illumination and revelation. We humbly say this to God. I have no idea what's going on here. I don't know what to do with any of this. I'm frustrated with this situation. I'm having this conflict with this person. There seem to be control issues happening, and I need your help with it. And God will see us through, and God will help us. Or God will provide someone to help us through it. Now, I, um, I lost another mentor this past week. My mentors keep departing to the next life. And while I'm happy for them, I, I rejoice in their eternal life at the heavenly banquet table, I also really miss them. And a community leader named Melinda Cohn, she passed away last week. And along with her husband, Don, uh, they led the local chapter of PFLAG. And PFLAG stands for Parents, Friends, and Families of Lesbians and Gays. And Melinda was also a communications leader for years at her workplace. And she helped me through a very vexing time in my life. Melinda got me through and got me over a difficult season of leadership. I was at a crossroads, and I could give up or give in or get better. And Melinda's advisement helped me to get better and become a better spiritual leader. And mostly what Melinda Cohn helped me with was a shift in perspective that leadership is not about popularity or pleasing people. Leadership is instead about getting things done and pushing through. And not pushing over people, not being a pushover, but pushing through the difficult times and pushing through the successful times because neither of them last. <laughs> neither of them last. You know. 
And I believe that God used my mentor, Melinda Cohn, to shine a light on a problem and illuminate a way forward. We need illumination in so many areas. Um, last week I attended a lecture, it was titled, Why So Many Americans Believe So Many Crazy Things. And the lecturer, he was named um, Eric Oliver. He's a professor of political science at the University of Chicago. And Professor Oliver pointed out what he sees as a political divide in America right now between magical thinking and rationalism. So many people in the United States, uh, we don't want to take a, a very long, hard look at our beliefs, right? Uh, we believe what we believe politically and end of story. But remember, all ideas and approaches need to be thought through and tested and reflected upon before embracing them. Now, I can testify that asking Christ to shine a light on something is an effective way through many of life's challenges. Now, it's not like abracadabra, Jesus fixed everything, and I just sort of glided onward, right? If only, right? Instead, I, I have found that when I stop, when I pause, when I genuinely want Christ to illuminate a situation, the light often comes, sometimes more brightly than other times, but the light arrives eventually. Now Jesus says very clearly in his Sermon on the Mount, you are the light of the world, and let's all take a gulp there. What, we were just talking about Christ as the light of the world, and what does Jesus say to us? You are the light of the world, whoa. Not only is Christ the light of the world, we hear that we are also the light. And Jesus goes on to say in his Sermon on the Mount, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and what? Give glory to God. And what an honor that we might shine forth light, which brings people to an understanding of God. And there's someone in our lives right now who is in need of that light, who is in need of that illumination. And we have the opportunity to shine the light and offer uh, help, understanding, a deepening of faith. And so church, let's pray now for Christ's light to shine on, on our lives. So again, asking for Christ to shine a light, but then also let's pray for the light to shine through us. So God, you know that there is someone worshiping today who is seeking illumination and revelation. There's someone worshiping who needs something to be made clearer. Maybe they're a little agitated about it or frustrated. Just seeking, just seeking understanding and illumination. And so we send your light to all those seeking deeper wisdom. And there's someone worshiping today who's trying to deal with a controlling relationship, whether it's in a family, a workplace, a community. Thank you, Lord God, for disclosing what needs to be disclosed. Thank you for healing 
the relationship. Thank you for recentering things. And thank you, God, for Jesus, the light of the world. And we trust that the light of Christ is available. We rejoice in this gift of the light. We are humbled that we are also named as the light of the world, and we are eager to let your light shine through us. We pray. We pray fervently that we recognize you, God, leading us and guiding us every day. And let's all say, amen. your sweet aroma fill my life Rose of Sharon show me how to grow in beauty in your reflection of your light day stars shine down on me let your love shine through me in the Near me, Lord, 
shining with compassion in your eyes. And I pray, Jesus, shine down on me. Let your love shine through me in the night. Let your love shine through me. 